0: You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Good morning, Calvary. How's everybody doing today? Yes, it is great to be here with you. My name is Alex. I'm the Connections Pastor here at Calvary, and I don't get too many chances to be in front of you, so I am very excited and uh, honored and privileged to be with you today. I hope everyone had a great Christmas. You guys have a good Christmas. <laughs> Christmas is good. Christmas is good. All right. And now we're getting ready for the new year, and I don't know how 2023 was for you. 2023 was, was a pretty good year uh, for me and for my family. Now, the highlight was uh, back in, in May. Uh, My daughter, Emily, she's the oldest of of four kids that we have. Uh, She's 21 now. She got married uh, this past May. Yes. And um, I was able to not only walk her down the aisle and give her away, but also officiate uh, the ceremony. And, um, yes, we're clapping today. I love it. I love it. Listen, if you ever get a chance to walk your daughter down the aisle, give her away, and officiate, you got to do it. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, but, yeah, here, actually, I brought a picture of the ceremony. I took this picture. Uh, that's Emily. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's my baby girl, and that's some random guy about to become the luckiest man in the world. Um, no, no, that's, that is Aaron. He's my son-in-law. Uh, we love him very much. He loves the Lord. He loves my daughter. And there's not much else I can ask for. Um, but... When you officiate the wedding and you're up there and you got the mic and everyone's looking at you, you can do whatever you want. So I pulled out my phone. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and take a selfie and, and capture this moment. All right, you guys can take that down. Otherwise, no one's going to pay attention to me. So, um, yeah, you know, and you, you, you go through something like that. And, you know, I'm, you know my daughter's in front of me and she's a, you know, she's a grown woman. And you start to think about kind of the past. And, and I remember uh, when she was much younger, she was probably about eight or nine years old. She had this good friend from school that danced ballet. And around the holiday, you know, around this time of year, the holiday season, um, her friend was going to be participating in a production of the Nutcracker, and um, so she invited Emily, and I, I took Emily. was in a theater down in Homestead, and when the day came, uh, you know we're getting ready, and I have the, the, the I had these pairs, uh, this pair of shoes that were only used for specific purposes. You know, I had my work shoes, which I wore every day to work. And then you've got, you know, a couple, you know, a pair of sneakers that you go running in. You've got your kind of everyday shoes. And then you've got, at least I had, this pair of shoes that, um, they were perfect for certain occasions. You know, they they dressed up jeans. They dressed down slacks. You know the shoes I'm talking about, guys. You may know. Uh, You may have a pair. Um, but these were, you know, like leather brown with laces, a thicker sole. And they were perfect for this occasion. So, you know, dusted them off. Uh, brought them out and, um. Uh, you know, get dressed, put them on, we drive down south. And, and as I'm getting out of the car, we, I start walking, I start noticing something kind of weird and funny with my right shoe. It feels weird. Not like there's something in my shoe weird, but like there's something happening outside my shoe weird. And um, as I look down, I, I finally realize uh, what's happening, and it's that the, the sole of the shoe is starting to detach from the top portion of the shoe. And um, so I I realized this, and I kind of slowed down a little bit. I'm like, maybe if I'm careful, and I walk slowly, I, uh, like, the shoe's going to survive. Like, I'll I'll make it inside. Maybe we'll survive uh, the night. Well, by the time we make it to our seats, um, the only part attached is the heel. So, like, 80% of of the sole of my shoe is completely detached uh, from the the top part. And, and, you know, the, the show gets started. Lights go down. I'm sitting down. Everyone's enjoying the show, and I'm going out of my mind. My anxiety is starting to ratchet up. And all I can think about is all these scenarios running through my mind. Like, will my shoe survive the walk back uh, to, to my car? Um, what should I do? Like, is there anything I can do? Should I just rip off what remains of the soul? And if I do rip it off, what do I do with the sole of that shoe? Do I just, you know, stuff it under the chair, like next to that empty bag of popcorn? Do, do, I, do I take it with me? Do I stick it in my pocket? Do I throw it away? Like, what do I do? Man, if I could only attach... This sole back onto my shoe, and then it hits me. These shoes have laces. And, um, and I'm saying, if I can somehow remove the lace from this shoe and wrap it around the bottom of the sole and the top of the shoe, I can keep them both together and maybe survive the night. So that's exactly what I do. As we're sitting, you know I kind of just lean forward and down a little bit, maybe able to reach my laces, I kind of untie my shoe, take the lace out. You know, wrap it under my sole, and that little space where the heel is, and then mm, nice, strong knot. While I'm sitting down, I'm kind of giving a couple steps, and it's, it seems to be working. So finally, the you know, show's over. Everyone stands up. Everyone starts filing out of the theater, and I'm walking, and it seems to be working out. I'm like, man, I just, I just need to make it to the car. Just need to make it to the car. You know, we stop, visit with Emily's friends and say hi to her parents, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, great product, whatever. I'm like, Mama, we got to go. We really got to go. Finally make it to the car, and I sit down. It's just like, yes, I survived it, right? Like, we did it. Crisis averted. And honestly, I don't even remember telling Emily um, that all this was going on. I definitely told my wife as soon as I got home because those are the kind of things that, you know, you, you tell your wife, it's like, you got to listen to what happened to me. And after she laughed at me and ridiculed me and made fun of me, um, we had to retire those, those shoes. But listen, I had those shoes for years. Rarely put them to use. They just kind of sat in my closet. And over time, they essentially rotted away. Um, you know, the, the glue holding, holding them together lost its glueiness. Uh, you know, they, were, they looked practically new, but they were far from it. They had lost their ability to, to really carry out the purpose which, for which they were intended, right? They, these shoes were, were useless. And I think for a lot of us here today, There may be a part of our walk with God, a spiritual discipline that we tend to keep put away uh, in a closet and only kind of bring out on on special occasions, only when the need is there and the conditions are right, a crucial component of our relationship with God that we neglect, that we'll forget, that we'll abandon until, until we're forced to take it out of the closet and hope that it still works. And what I'm talking about today is prayer. And as we begin the new year, there's so much attention given to resolutions and so much talk about setting goals and making changes in our lives. And we want to improve our diet. We want to start exercising. Uh, You know, we want to spend more time with family. Maybe we even want to start a business. And these are all good things. But for all of us here today, here's my hope. And that's that we can enter this new year, 2024, with a greater desire to pray and a greater understanding of the power of Of prayer because here's what I know to be true that if we dedicate ourselves to a fully engaged prayer life we will see and experience God working in our lives like never before and to the contrary if we treat prayer like those once in a while shoes uh, only bringing it out on special occasions when we need to be bailed out or find ourselves with no other choice and basically we end up living lives full of anxiety full of doubt unfulfilled potential, and more importantly, forfeited promises. So prayer is simply our personal communication with God, right? When we pray, we make requests. We ask for things, sometimes for ourselves, sometimes for others. In, in prayer, we, we confess our sins, and we ask for forgiveness. Uh, we praise God, and we thank him, and it's also God's way of communicating uh, to us Uh, Prayer is not so God can find out what we need. Um, Jesus uh, tells us in Matthew 6, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So why does God want us to pray? Well, for one, prayer expresses our trust in God and is a way our trust in him can grow. Uh, Prayer brings us into deeper fellowship with God. I mean, God, he loves you and he delights in your fellowship with him, And in prayer, God allows us to be involved in things that have eternal importance. And ultimately, in praying, we give glory to God. Because see, when we pray in humble dependence on God, we show that we are completely and genuinely convinced of his wisdom, his love, his goodness, and his power. So what I want to do today is look at a prayer made by Daniel. The same Daniel from the lion's den. Um, you know, Old Testament prophet, this prayer is found in chapter 9 of the book of Daniel. And I think sometimes this prayer can be overlooked because of the answer to this prayer. Because right after this prayer, the angel Gabriel um, gives an immediate answer to Daniel. And what we find um, is that, you know, the first half of chapter 9 is Daniel's prayer and the second half is one of the most significant and detailed messianic prophecies in the entire Old Testament. And sometimes... That tends to be the focus of, uh, of the chapter. But today, we're going to focus on the prayer and learn some truths that if I believe we apply them, can completely transform our prayer lives and relationship with God. So we're going to start in Daniel chapter 9, uh, the first three verses, and should be in your outline. It'll be on the screen behind me as well. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. The first truth that we're going to learn from Daniel's prayer is this that we can pray God's promises when we know God's word. We can pray God's promises when we know God's word. And I just want to help provide some some context for this setting so that we know uh, what's happening. It it says here the first year of King Darius. And that gives us a starting point timeline-wise. So for Daniel, uh, Daniel is is, is in his early, you know, uh, reaching his his mid-80s. And he's basically having his morning quiet time he's having his devotional time right he's he's reading his bible it says there he understood by the books and he's reading jeremiah and this is the same jeremiah that we all have in our bibles uh, today and jeremiah was he was prophet during the days of daniel when he was a young boy living in jerusalem and jeremiah was a prophet that would warn uh the jewish people that if they did not turn from their sin and from their idolatry that god would discipline them and to get their attention, he was going to call for King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon uh, to besiege Jerusalem and, and take the Jewish people captive back to Babylon. And in 586 BC, that is exactly what happened. Thousands of Jews were taken back, captive back to Babylon, and Daniel, as a young teenager, was one of these captives. About age 15, um, he was hand-selected uh, from Israel's best and brightest uh, to be trained in the ways of Babylon so that he can serve in the king's court. And for, for about 65 years, Daniel served the kings of Babylon and Persia and the entire time he remaining faithful to the Lord his God. And he was removed from everything that was familiar to him, right? He was his country, his home, his family, his language, his culture. Through it all, he remained faithful. And then we get here to chapter 9, and after a long career serving all these, these foreign kings, he's now in his early 80s, and he starts reading from the book of Jeremiah. And he reads how, Jer- how God will bring his people back to Jerusalem after 70 years. It's God that determined the 70 years. And Daniel is now reading Jeremiah, and he's starting to do the math in his head. And uh, from, you know, from when he was taken captive, he was you know, probably like 15 years old, and he's now approaching you know, probably 85. And, and so he knows, man, the 70 years are about up. And he recognizes that soon the Jewish people are going to be allowed to go back to Jerusalem he doesn't know how right he has no idea how this is going to happen he just knows that because of Jeremiah's prophecy that they will and as he's reading Daniel is moved and touched by the character and nature of God you see we 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 know with with uh with fair certainty what part of Jeremiah he was reading because there's only one passage where Jeremiah is specific about 70 years and then God bring the people back. And it's in Jeremiah 29. Um, it's not on your outline, but it's going to be on the screen behind me. Jeremiah 29, verses 10 to 14. There's going to be a passage in there, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. Familiar with, But it says this in Jeremiah uh, 29. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. See, because Daniel had lived a life devoted to God's word, reading this uh, breaks him as he reads about God's faithfulness and mercy. And he's reading about God's intentions for the people. That he has them in his heart and has a future and a hope for them. And he wishes them peace and not evil. And he says, if you pray to me, I'll listen. And if you search for me, you'll find me. And this breaks Daniel. It cuts him to his heart. And it leads Daniel to go to God in prayer. And it says that he set his face toward God to make requests by prayer and supplications. See, Daniel recognized God's promise, and it led him to pray. And this is where we are in Daniel's life in this moment. So, I just want to take a quick second um, uh, and um, have you guys think about french fries. Alright? Think about french fries for a minute, okay? And think about which french fries do you think are, are the best? The most delicious of french fries. McDonald's, who's voting for McDonald's as, they have, they've got the best french fries? All right, all right. How about five guys? Any votes for five guys? Yeah, a smattering, that's what we had last service, okay. You know what fries I think are, are, are truly underrated? Is the, the, the Arby's curly fries? Okay, okay. I mean, I know you have to actually have to go to Arby's to have them. But if you go and you have them, you'll, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. All right, how about, how about this? Uh, Chick-fil-A waffle fries. Okay, okay, okay. Much more enthusiasm for, for the Lord's Fries in the first service than this one, but that's, that's okay. Listen, we all have opinions, right? We all have opinions, and those are based on our perspective. And, and our perspectives are based on how we view things, how we see the world. It's, it's our lens. It's our filter. Uh, that we see the world through. And and it's made up of what's important to us, uh, what concerns us, um, our, our, our values. And here's the thing about prayer, is that prayer is where our perspective and God's perspective collide. And God's view of us in this world, his creation, his view on what should be important to us and should concern us, what our values should be, God's perspective crashes into ours. But we like our perspectives, don't we? I mean, if, if, if you're going to be completely honest and transparent, like you like your perspective, you, you like your point of view, and so when your perspective and gods don't quite match up, that's uncomfortable, and it doesn't sit right with us. Now, we would never say this out loud, so I'm going to go ahead and say it for us. Um, we're comfortable with our perspective, so it's easier not to have to deal with the reality Um, with that reality. You know, the less we know, the less we understand God's perspective, the more we can kind of keep our own. And then we wonder why our prayer life is lacking. So how do we gain this this understanding? How do we gain, uh, where do we learn God's perspective? How do we see the world and our lives as God would have us see it? It's the same place Daniel found it. It's in scripture, in God's word, in the Bible. That is God speaking directly to us. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15, it says this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that, he, that we have what we asked of him. This is why God's word and prayer are so connected. See, we ask according to our will when we don't know his will. Knowing God's will for our lives is directly proportional to to knowing God's word, it's how He speaks to us and reveals His will for us. See, when we are God, when we are in God's word, not only do we begin to align with God's perspective, we be, we begin to discover God's promises. And just like the verse we just read, that is a promise. Uh, this is the confidence we have. It says that when we are aligned with God's will, um, we have what we asked of Him. You pray according to His will by praying according to his word. In 2nd Corinthians um, chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Amen. And so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. See, the Bible is filled with God's promises for us. And it's on us to find them. Right? It's it's up to you to find them. Promises about God's forgiveness and restoration after sin. Promises about finding hope and finding joy in times of suffering. Uh, promises about uh, God providing in your time of need. Promises for husbands and wives about godly marriages. And promises for moms and dads uh, about raising and teaching uh, their kids to walk with God. So you read God's word and you find and discover the promises that God has for you. Don't let promises just sit there lying dormant because we simply do not, don't know that they exist. See, on the back of your connection card, um, I went ahead and added a next step. Um, uh, so if you didn't fill out your connection card and you want to take advantage of the next step um, you can do that uh, but it's, it's in red and it says begin promises of God devotional plan and it's, it's a short daily devotional on the on the U version Bible app it's, I think it's like 27 days um, but if you want to start the new year discovering some of God's promises check that off and I'll email you the link um, uh, to that plan um, you know pastor and author J.D. Greer uh, says this, amazing things happen when you take the purposes of God and pray them into reality. The prayers that start in heaven are heard by heaven. So Daniel, you know, approached God in confidence because he knew God's will and understood God's promise. And what comes next, um, uh, beginning in verse 4, is Daniel's prayer. Uh, so we'll begin reading in verse 4 of Daniel 9. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face as it is this day to the men of Judah to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel those near and those far off in all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you O Lord to us belongs shame of face to our kings our princes and our fathers because we have sinned against you to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness though we have rebelled against him we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. So if you stop there for a second and give me your attention, the second truth that we're going to learn from Daniel's prayer today is this, that confession of sin brings freedom from shame. Confession of sin brings freedom from shame. Now, about eight, nine years ago, we were having problems with our with our washing machine at home, and um, we we ended up having to to replace it. So in our house, the washing machine, like the laundry closet, is actually in the kitchen. Um, which is kind of weird, but it's an older construction, so that's where the washing machine is. So, you know, we turn off the water, I disconnect the hoses, get it all ready, start pulling it out, and I pull it out far enough so I can finally get, get behind it. So I'm the first one to go behind the washer. And when I go behind the washer, I find something. And, you know, behind the washer isn't a place you normally get looked at, checked up on. Um, so I look behind the washer and, and I find something. And let's just say that whatever it is you're thinking, that's not it. If I gave you 100 guesses, you would never guess what I found behind that washing machine. You know, and, and this is why I know. Because before I said anything, my wife saw my face and started thinking exactly what you guys are thinking. And I'm like, babe, come here. You're not going to believe this. You got to check this out. And she begins to freak out. She's like, no, no. Please don't tell me there's something dead back there please, no, that's it, we're selling the house, I don't even want to live here anymore, I'm like, baby, relax, it's okay, nothing died behind here, I just want to come here and take a look, so she comes over and she looks, and what we found behind our washing machine was a huge a pile, a um, mound, a heap, a, uh, a collection, <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> a clump, a stockpile of empty candy wrappers, all right. Empty candy wrappers. Now, listen, you know, the kids were younger. Between birthdays and Halloween, we had accumulated a lot uh, of candy, and we kept it on the pantry right there next to, next to the washing machine. And, um, but after questioning my wife and, ass- and her assuring me that it wasn't her, um, that left the kids. And again, you know, at that time, they were like 12, 10, 4, and 2. So the 4-and-2-year-olds, you know, they didn't have the mind for that. Um, uh, so it wasn't them. So that just left the two older ones. And after some questioning and some assurances, hey, listen, also to be forgiven, no one's mad, we just really want to know who did this, um, we finally had our confession. And it was um, it was Alejandro, our oldest son. Uh, he's 19 now. Um, uh, he was nine, about 9, 10 years old at the time. And um, according to him, for years, he had been, like, eating candy and throwing the wrappers behind the washing machine so he wouldn't be found out. And he, and he, and he. I remember him telling me, he's like, he's like, I thought the only way that I would be found out was if the washing machine broke, and when I saw it broke, and you guys, f- I was like, that's it, I'm done, um, that's wraps, right? So, um, but, but you know, him carrying that, that's us, okay? That is us when we carry sin without confession, right? It, it weighs, it is heavy. And it continues to just pile up. And instead of confessing our sin, what do we do? Right? We'll deny it. Right? No, that wasn't me. That's not what I said. Uh, we'll, we'll minimize it and say, oh, that's not, it's not that big a deal. It was only one time. Um, we'll blame someone or something else. Or, or we even try to cover it up, right? We hide the evidence and throw the wrappers behind the washing machine. Um, but when we choose to deny, we minimize and cover up and, and, and blame, the, the hole we're digging just gets deeper because deep down we all know the truth. and The truth is that we are guilty. And that guilt, when it isn't dealt with, turns into shame. And friends, this is exactly what the devil wants. He wants your guilt, that guilt that says, man, I, I did something wrong, to turn into shame that says I am something wrong wrong and because shame makes you feel unworthy and not enough and friends i'm here to tell you today that jesus died on that cross to bear your sin to bear your guilt to bear your shame you don't have to feel unworthy or worthy because he is worthy and you don't have to feel like you're not enough because he is enough in first john 1:9, it says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness you know what this is this is a promise. We are forgiven of our sins and cleansed of our guilt and shame. And, and, and throughout the, the entirety of the Psalms, we read King David's prayers. And in five, and this is awesome, he says, Finally, I confessed all my sins. Like, he must have been carrying a burden as well, I mean, that, that just release of it. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. And in Proverbs twenty thirteen we read, whoever conceals their sin uh, does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. See, in prayer, we have the opportunity to confess our sins. And not just, God, please forgive my sins, right? No, it's an opportunity for you to open yourself up to God, to be specific with God, to list your sins, to name them, to bring them back to memory, not to beat yourself up about it, Right? That's not the purpose. It's not to beat yourself up. But to be cleansed and freed from every single one of them. And then after that, here's my challenge to you. Confess to those that you've wronged. Is it terrifying? Yes. Is it humbling? Yes. But is it freeing and liberating? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Daniel's prayer continues, um, and we're going to pick it up here in, in Verse 13. And it says, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name As it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. The third truth we learn from Daniel's prayer is this, that repentance restores your relationship with God. Repentance restores your relationship with God. And and to repent simply means this, to turn from sin and to turn towards God, to turn in the opposite direction of where you were headed, a complete 180-degree change where you leave your life of sin, the habits, the practices, the behaviors, and you turn toward God and you get right with Him, and that's what repentance is all about. And, and this is what Daniel recognizes in as he prays. He says, "Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand Your truth." You see, when something is restored, what happens when something is restored? When you restore a car, you're restoring it back to its former former state, and, and that's what God wants from us for us to restore our relationship with him by turning from sin. Repentance brings joy to God's heart. In Luke 15, 7, we read, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. You see, confession is this beautiful act where we admit our guilt, Uh, We we experience God's forgiveness and mercy, but repentance is where we take action and we choose to surrender those habits and behaviors where we make the hard choices. And maybe that means we've got to examine the relationships in our lives and, and cut out the ones that draw us away from God, where we invite others to be a part of the work God wants to do in our lives, where we invite that accountability. See, pride, pride says, God, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, I'll just say no next time. Repentance, true repentance says, God, I'm sorry. I want to stop doing and thinking and saying all these things that hurt you and destroy my relationship with you and I recognize that I can't do this on my own. I need to submit, to surrender, and be obedient to your word. And Acts 3.19 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. See, that, that refreshing... That is our relationship being restored with God. Repentance is where we truly deny ourselves and let God in. Pride is, is the worship of self. right Pride is, is the worship of self. and humility is the worship of Jesus. Those two are polar opposites. Repentance and humility, they go hand in hand. You don't have one without the other. Your relationship with God is restored when you turn from the pride of self-worship and surrender to the humility of repentance. So now we go back to Daniel, and and now he's concluding his prayer. And uh, in verse 16, we read, O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant And his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we do not represent our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake. My God, for your city and your people are called by your name. This last truth that I want to share with you today is this. That is that there is power in prayer because of who God is. There is power in prayer because of who God is. You see, when Daniel praying this prayer, he along with thousands of other Jews like him, they've been taken from their homes, right, led away in chains. Uh, for almost 70 years, they were captive. Yet what we see in Daniel's prayer is this glimmer of hope. A glimmer of hope and a future for them because after all that they've been through, Daniel knows that this is not the end for God's people. And this is God's plan for them, right? I mean, they're, they're soon going to be marching into their future. But what gives him this assurance and this hope? And maybe that's a question for us today. Like when you're up against it, when you're uncertain, when you're worried, when you're disheartened, when, when those fears are, are, are building up inside you and it feels like those fears are about to completely take over and you wonder, man, is this it? Right? Is there any moving on from here? What gives you assurance? What gives you hope? Throughout this whole prayer, we hear Daniel talk about God and he says, you know, O Lord, great and awesome God. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness. See, it's Daniel's knowledge of who God is that gives him that assurance and hope. See, God is great and awesome. There's nothing that he cannot do. God can do anything. God is righteous. He is the ultimate standard in in his nature, his, his attitude, his action, and his word. God is also merciful and forgiving. He extends his mercy. And can forgive anyone. And this is the God that loves you. And this is the God that wants a relationship with you. And this is the God that wants you to know him. Know him in a way that you can confess your sin and confess your failures and say, God, I've sinned and I've been disobedient. And let that failure meet God's forgiveness. When your failure meets God's forgiveness, there is joy. There is confidence. There is assurance. There is hope. God can do anything, and God can forgive anyone. And when you examine Scripture, you examine His character. And you walk away saying, you know what? It's going to be okay. I read a quote um, this week that said, first we make our habits, and then our habits make us. See, for better or worse, we become what we do over and over again, what we do repeatedly. And as we as we uh, prepare for this this new year, What are the habits that we need to break free from? What habits do we need to start and cultivate and grow? I mean, what would your life look like on December 31st, 2024, if you began a habit of studying God's word, getting to know him intimately, not just on the surface, discovering promises that would have laid dormant simply because we didn't know that they were there. Like What would your life look like if you began to pray God's promises, activating God's word and his work on your behalf because of your faithfulness and your obedience? And What would your life look like if you began confessing your sin to God? And not just a blanket, you know, God, I'm sorry for all the things I've done, right? But a heartfelt, introspective, and humble confession of those actions, those words, those thoughts that break God's heart. What would your life look like if you took the hard and intentional steps of true repentance, turning from sin, changing habits, patterns, and behaviors, and inviting accountability into your life? See, Daniel let the circumstances in his life and God's word drive him into prayer. And that is my hope for you in this coming new year. It's that you get to know the great and the awesome and the righteous and the merciful and the forgiving God, the same God that Daniel knew because that same God has the same plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and to give you a future. Let's pray together, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. And Lord, we pray that, Lord, we can, we can, we can discover that and learn that, Lord, by spending time with you. So we pray, Lord, as we leave 2023 behind and, and prepare for this new year, Lord, that above everything else that we've got planned, Lord, that we would put you first, put our relationship with you first, Lord. Understand that the only way we will know not just what you want for us, Lord, but what you have for us is to spend that time with you in your word, talking to you, Lord God, and and Lord, just allowing you to talk to us. Lord, so that is our prayer, Lord, that um that with this new uh, new year, Lord God, Lord, we would just discover these amazing promises that you have for us, Lord. And Lord, that, that um, throughout difficult times, throughout hard times, Lord, uh, fearful times, doubtful times, Lord God, um, because of who you are and because of the promises that we know to be true, Lord, Lord, that we would have that assurance and that joy and that hope, Lord, that Daniel had that despite everything he had gone through and is going through, Lord God, not knowing how it's going to happen, he just trusted you that it would, Lord. Lord, so that we would learn to have that trust too, Lord, that no matter where we find ourselves, Lord, we know uh, that you have not abandoned us, Lord God, that we would understand that that your delay is not a delay, Lord God. And maybe it's just us being impatient. So, Lord, um, I pray this over everyone in this room, Lord God, that this new year would begin a new day, closer closer drawing closer to you, Lord. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com Forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.